good. Everybody good? Awesome. Good. It's great to be with you. Great to see everybody here this morning. Thank you all so much for worshiping with us. I can think of no greater uh, way to start a, a worship service than 17 baptisms, huh? Yeah. It's awesome, man. It's amazing to see what God's doing in our church. It's so humbling to be a part of it as God continues to work in and through us and people giving their lives to Jesus and seeing their lives transformed forever. And man, I tell you, if you have yet to give your life to Jesus, I'm telling you, there's no better time than today. And so, man, if something happens in your life, maybe the Lord's working in you, maybe the Holy Spirit's stirring in your heart. Um, by the way, if, if that is happening, it's the Holy Spirit working in your heart, uh, wooing you to Him. If, if, that, if today's that day, listen, I would love nothing more than get to talk with you after the service. You can go out these doors and talk to our team at Connection Central. They would love to begin or to help you begin a relationship with Jesus. So if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about just life's crazy. Isn't life crazy? Yeah, life's a little bit crazy. It's busy. Life's busy. I, I don't know about you, but uh, it doesn't seem like there's a, there's a moment coming where the, the world's going to seem any, any less crazy or any less complex with every single day that that passes, it just seems like life gets more crazy and more complex. And yet through it all, we've got to figure out how to, how do we manage the chaos in our lives? How do we manage the craziness? How do we man manage these busy schedules? How do we do it all? Well, here's the answer. I mean, this is just, this is just simple, but this is the answer. The way that you manage the chaos and the craziness in your life is, is by simply cultivating a life with God. It's by walking with God, if you want to manage the craziness in your world, if you want to manage the chaos that you see on the news, if you want to manage all of that, then you've got to have a life uh, where you're walking with the Lord. And in order to do that, here's the reality. In order for you to do that, then that means that Jesus has to be your priority. He has to be the priority. We've been talking about this a little bit over the last couple of weeks of, of how easy it is to make Jesus a priority in our life, but how hard it is to make him the priority in our lives. And so if we're going to do that, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we talked about them, then he's got to be our focus, right? If he's going to be our priority, the priority, he's got to be our focus, right? We see Peter jumping out of the boat and Jesus walking on water. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me out on the wave. So, so Peter hops out of the boat. He walks towards Jesus, but it's only when he sees the wind and the waves around him that he begins to sink. It's because he takes his eyes off Jesus. And then last week we saw that Jesus makes this really powerful statement. Um, he says that man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word of God. Man cannot live on bread alone, but every word of God. It's Jesus letting us in on a secret that we're not just physical beings, but we're also spiritual beings. How crazy is that? So just like you and I need air, we need food, we need water, we need clothing, we need shelter, we need rest, we need all of these things to physically survive. Jesus is saying that, that we leave one thing off, and that is we need to care for our soul. And in order to care for our soul, we've got to uh, get along with him, and we've got to uh, feed on his word, right? So we can't just live on bread. We can't just feed on bread, but we've got to feed on his word. And as we do that, it's caring for our soul in a way that overflows into the physical being of our lives. And so there's two parts of our lives. There's the physical, and then the, there's the spiritual now, if, if we're going to cultivate a life with God, and if we are going to experience him in a fresh new way, then here's the deal. We've got to be present with him. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the power of presence. Now, here's the problem. 
due to the advances in technology, with the little device known as the cell phone that I have in my pocket, I can be everywhere. And if I can be everywhere, and if I can be present everywhere, here's what that means for you and me. If we can be present everywhere, that means that in reality, we are present nowhere. If I can be present everywhere, then in reality, I am not present anywhere. This is the great problem that you and I have. And you may be asking yourself, well, where did that all begin? Well, here's some fun for you. It all began in the 1950s. You ready for some history? 1950s, you know what hit the market in the 1950s? The television. Woo! The television hit the market, it did. Get this, by 1960, can you believe this? By 1960, research shows that 90% of American households had a television in their home. 90% in just 10 years, that's how fast that that spread. Well, of course, you know, that's a a widespread trend that's happening all over America. Well, there's all these other companies that start start coming up on the scene and looking to make money as well. And and there's this other product in 1952, had the first commercial of this product in 1952. Many said it was one of the greatest inventions ever made. Others have said that it has really been a devastating thing that came to the market. Anybody know what that was? 1952? You ready? The TV tray. The TV tray, hey, I'm gonna hate on the TV tray here for a minute. If you have a TV tray, I'm not directing this to you. But it was the TV tray. The TV tray was this really cool thing, right? Where you could get your dinner, you could place it on a TV tray and you could watch the ball game. You could sit around with your family, eat dinner, watch a ball game or a sitcom, which at that point, what was happening in America and households all across America is that everybody was moving from the dinner table to the living room. So instead of looking eye to eye, having conversations, what were they doing? They're moving to the living room where their eyes are peeled on things like, I love Lucy. Anybody watch I Love Lucy? Yep. Did you know that this was the start of also the sitcoms that you and I know of today? So the 1950s, all of this is happening, but here's what happened. Here's what happened. So presence, as we once knew it, was sitting around the dinner table, eating dinner together, engaging eye to eye with one another. Here's what happened in the 1950s, late 1960s, is that presence became synonymous with being in, in just being in the same room. You see what, you see that? And from there on after presents this problem that you and I have today where the average attention span of an, of a, an adult in the US is 8.25 seconds. Did you know that the average goldfish is nine seconds? <laughs> we got a problem. We've got a problem. And yet what we're gonna talk about today is the power of presence, that you and I have this huge challenge ahead of us where Jesus invites us to experience him, but how are we gonna experience him if we can't be present with him? Well, the answer is that we can't. By the way, mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but we look at our phones 352 times a day. That's an average of looking at our phone about every three minutes. That's crazy. 
We're present everywhere, but really we are present nowhere. And whether we realize it or not, our souls are feeling the weight of this shift. You and I are desperately in need of presence. Now to be present means to be where you are in the moment that you're in. You might wanna write that down. To be present means that you are in the moment that you are in. You may have heard the phrase carpe diem. Well, today we're gonna say carpe momento. We're gonna seize the moment, right? We're gonna seize the moment. That means we're gonna catch the moment. We're gonna go after the moment. We're gonna be present in the moment. So don't, the Cowboys hadn't started yet. You're fine, all right? You got a couple, we've got, We've got several hours till lunch, so I want you focused in here. We're gonna be present this morning as we look at the story of two sisters. We're gonna look at two sisters and we're gonna look at the value and also the challenge of being present in our day and time. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Luke. We're gonna be in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We're gonna begin reading in verse 38. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It'll be on your screen. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38. Helpful to know that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He has stopped in a village where he is gonna meet some of his friends. And that's where we pick up in the story, verse 38. Luke writes this. He says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted by much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, I hear, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but there's one thing that's necessary. Only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You know, in any good story, um, an, an author will give you different scenes. And the first scene of this story is Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. He stops into a village and there he uh, is greeted with some friends, right? And one of those friends is Martha. You may know Martha. Martha is the sister of Lazarus, the one who Jesus raised from the dead. So they're close friends. They've had some experiences together. Needless to say, she's also got a sister named Mary. You're gonna see her in the story as well. And so the first scene is Martha welcoming Jesus into her home. It would be easy to read this story and think of Martha as kind of the villain and Mary as the hero of the story. But what I want you to see is that even from the very beginning of this story, it wasn't Mary who invited Jesus into her home. It wasn't another friend. It wasn't another person in the village, but it was Martha. Martha invites Jesus into her home, which is a sign of her love, devotion, and, and, and admiration for Jesus. What you'll see in this story is that Jesus is a priority in her life. You're gonna see that. Jesus is very much a real priority in her life. But the difference is, that you're gonna see is that while she, Jesus is a priority in Martha's life, you're gonna see in the story that Jesus is the priority in Mary's life. And you're gonna see how that plays itself out. Now again, in any good story, the author then takes us into scene 
Number two, the scene two is walking into the home. So you can imagine walking into the front door of Martha's home. You walk in the door and you can see Martha, she's busy uh, running around frantically trying to take care of everybody. You know the types. She's busy frantically trying to host everybody into the home. You enter into the house and you walk in and there's Jesus and a bunch of his friends sitting in front of a TV with the TV tray in front of them, right? Just kidding, just kidding. So Jesus is sitting there, friends are, are gathered around, Jesus is teaching and the text says that Mary is sitting at his feet. In fact, Luke says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to Jesus, listened to his teaching it's as though she's hanging on every word. She's sitting there front and center, looking up at the one in whom she admires, the priority of her life, and she is listening to what he is saying. She's hanging on every word. Kind of makes me think of the teacher's pet. Y'all know the teacher's pet? It's that one who sits at the front row of the classroom, who's so quick to raise her hand if the teacher has a question so much so that the teacher actually looks over her because somebody else has to answer the question, right? The teacher's pet It's the one who turns in their homework before everybody else who's bored in class because she's already done everything. This is the teacher's pet. You may be even thinking about the teacher's pet. And if, if, if you can't think of who that was, it may be because you're the teacher's pet. I don't, I don't know. You worked out those details. That's between you and the Lord. Right, that's, that's, the, that's the picture that I get of Mary sitting at the Lord's feet, anxiously awaiting for Jesus to ask a question so she can raise her hand and say, Jesus, I know the answer. Anxiously ready to turn in the quiz because she has been following Jesus her whole life. She's experienced him in a way that he is the priority of her life. This is the picture that I get in the room. Now, Luke demonstrates this by saying that Mary was listening to Jesus' teaching. To listen means to put away all distractions, to deliberately focus solely on what is being said. In other words, for that very moment, Mary is present with Jesus. She is present with him. When I think of being present with Jesus, oftentimes I think of John chapter 10. It's a really well-known chapter in the book of John. As Jesus says this, he says in verse 27, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. If you keep reading, Jesus said, he reiterates what he has just said. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. It means that, that they hear me, they know my voice, they recognize that my voice and they follow me. What's implicit in this is that Jesus is making a direct tie to our following and our listening, right? If we hear his voice and we follow him, what Jesus is tying together here is our listening and our following. It made me think through a couple of questions. If that is true, that our following is directly tied to our listening, if we are not present, how can we be sure that we're listening? So if I'm not present with Jesus and my mind is all over the place, falling asleep, Thinking about the Cowboys, by the way, for all of you who think that this is the year, the Kansas City Chiefs have got it in the bag, right? Or maybe it's whatever it may be. When you think about it, listening is to be, or to be present means that we are listening. And if, 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 if we're listening, it means that we're present. And if we're not present, can we be sure that we're listening? 
And if we're not listening, are we really following? And you know, guys, here's the tricky thing, and this is a tricky thing. When we can live in a world, and we do, where we can be present everywhere, but we're present nowhere, if that's true, then how can we be sure we're following him rather than our own thoughts, feelings, and emotions? If I can be present anywhere, but I'm actually present nowhere, and if I'm not present with Jesus, hearing from him via his word, how can I be so sure that I'm not just following my own feelings, my own thoughts, my own emotions, which by the way is a huge problem in our culture today. It's a huge problem for the church today is that we have far too many people who are following their own feelings, thoughts, and emotions rather than following what the word says. Feelings or truth follows feelings rather than our feelings following truth. So if we're not present with him, how can we be sure that we're hearing him? And if we're not hearing him, how can we be sure that we're following him? Well, I think the simple answer to that is we can't. If we're not present with him and we're not hearing from him, how do we know that we're actually following him rather than that voice in your head or that person that you know who's been giving you advice and counsel and all those things. Maybe it's good counsel, but how do you know you're following Jesus rather than just following a friend or somebody that you've sought out for advice? The most important thing that you and I I can do as a church today is cultivate a life with God, make him the priority, be present with him to the degree that we are following him and not following the culture, our feelings, or somebody else. These people who were just baptized, they were not baptized into a life of following somebody else. They were baptized into a life of following Jesus. But again, how can we be following Jesus if we can't be present with him? You know, if you were to jump back up into John chapter 10, it says that the thief, speaking of Satan, our enemy, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy Maybe start thinking about, you know, golly, could it be that the enemy uses even the good things in our lives to steal, kill, and destroy our presence with God? Could it be that it's not always these, the bad things, but rather it could even be good things that you and I are doing that we're caught up in, the good, valuable, and important things of our lives that Satan uses to distract us from being with him, to spending time with him? Jesus says that I, being Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so if life is found by being present with Jesus, I would imagine that the enemy is going to do all that he can to rob you of that time, that experience with him. And I think this is exactly what happens to Martha, by the way, right? It happens in a way that you may not see coming. See, in verse 40, Luke says that Mary is present with Jesus, but then he says, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Mary is present with Jesus, but Martha is distracted with much serving. Again, I, I think more often than not, it's not the bad things, it's, it's not the, the hideous things in our lives that Satan uses to distract us from Jesus. I think all too often it's, it's the good things in our lives, it's the, it's the important things, it's the valuable things, it's good things. I mean, if he's the great deceiver, why would he not use the good things in our lives to pull us away from him, pull us away from Jesus? Well, I think the reason why he would do it is because he's the great deceiver. Why would you not want, or why would he not want to use the good things in your life to distract you from being present with Jesus? Mary was present with Jesus, but Martha was distracted with much serving. You know, it's so interesting here. You'll see that 
clearly Martha has the gift of hospitality, right? You'd have to be crazy not to think that somebody who's so willing to invite Jesus into her home that she didn't have that gift. It's a supernatural gift upon her following Jesus that the Holy Spirit gave her a, a gift. And that gift is simply to serve people. And so in those days, typically what would happen if you welcome somebody in your home, especially a teacher like Jesus, what you're also doing is you're welcoming all of his, all of his followers into your home too. So you can imagine in this home, Martha is busy actively serving Jesus, serving the guests, doing all that she can to serve and help the people in whom she has in her home. These are good things that Satan is using to distract her away from spending time with Jesus. I don't know about you, but it happens all the time in in our season of life. Moms and dads, you can probably relate to this, right? We wake up, get everyone up out of bed, right? Get them all dressed. Hopefully they've got all the right clothes on. We, you know, get them out the door. We grab some breakfast, scarfing it on the way to school. We hope that we get to school without forgetting homework or something else, right? Um, All the while, my mind is anxiously awaiting that meeting that I have, that hard conversation, the 70 plus emails that I'm gonna have on that Monday morning, right? Stay-at-home moms, you're, you're thinking about, oh my goodness, I've got piles and piles of laundry. I've got all this cleaning to do. I've got all this stuff that I've got to do that I've got to get done, right? So lunch comes around, you have lunch, right? Then all of a sudden you think of that strained budget that we all have and you're going, oh my goodness, how are we going to make it all this work? And I mean, just life, it's just a lot, right? So then you leave work early to go pick up the kids. You get to the school, you get the kids, you make it home. Hopefully you have enough time to give them a snack, right? And then you know that you've got evening activities and goodness gracious, do we have evening activities? You got ball practice, you got piano uh, lessons, you've got uh, dance lessons, you got all of the stuff, right? And so then hopefully maybe you get home in time to get the kids bathed, right? You probably, you wish you had time to cook dinner, but you didn't, so you had to stop at Bush's Chicken and all of the things, right? You get home, oh, y'all feel that? It's a lot, right? You get home, you get them bathed, hope, hopefully that you get them in bed by 8.30 so that you don't have a miserable morning, you know, the next morning, pull them out of bed, and so you sit down, you get them asleep, mom, dad, sit down for the very first time, and, and what do we do? Turn on the TV, we need some brainless you know, just, 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 just need to sit and chill. Look at our phones. Right? That leads us to bed where hopefully we go to sleep, but probably don't because we've got our minds are going a thousand miles a second thinking about all the things that you got to do the next day. You wake up, you're tired, you do it all over again. Young people, it's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. <laughs> There's that moment, right, where they said, hey, it'll be fun, they said. It's going to be great, they said, right? You're going to be fine. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. It's exhausting. It's tiring, right? This is what we all experience. And you and I all have very similar versions of this in the season of life that you're in right now. Life is busy. Life is complex. And yet what happens to us all is that we are present everywhere, but we are present nowhere, We're present everywhere, but our minds are everywhere else, but where they should be. Here's the point. Not only can it be the good things in our life that distract us, but even our service to the Lord can be the thing that distracts us from being present with him. Even our own service to the Lord, even using our own spiritual gifts, all of these things can be something that distracts us away 
from being with the Lord. And this leads us to relate to Martha's experience in verse 40. She wakes up, or she walks up to Jesus and here's what she says. She says, Lord, do you not even care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Sure, Martha's desperate for some help. She's got tons of people in her house. She's trying to serve. She's doing all that she can to get everything right, hold everything together. And she looks to Jesus and says, Jesus, do you not see that I'm alone? But can you see like what she's actually asking for? Yeah, sure, she's, ask, she's asking for help. But really what Martha is asking Jesus for, she says, Jesus, do you even see me? You see that I'm doing all this stuff for you? Jesus, do you hear me? Do you see me? Do you even care about me? She's looking for help, but what she's really looking for is affirmation that Jesus sees her, that he knows her, and that he loves her. Here I am serving all of these people, and yet I am all alone. Jesus, do you even care? Here's what happened to Martha. Her doing for Jesus has overshadowed her being with Jesus. Her doing for Jesus has overshadowed her being with Jesus. She's present everywhere, and as the result, she is present nowhere. She has prioritized her serving Jesus over being with him, and it has led her to the point of exhaustion, burned out, and loneliness. See, in our lives, being with Jesus must drive our doing for him. Our being present with Jesus must drive our doing for him. If not, we will trick ourselves into believing that our doing sustains our being when in reality we've put the cart before the horse. See, the power of presence, the power and the fuel of life in a busy and complex world is not our doing for God, it's our being with him. You ever tried to run a car with no gas in it? And yet we try to run our lives without the fuel and the power of being present with God. And you were designed, you were designed to run on him. You were not designed to run in your own strength. You're not designed to run on diesel fuel. If you're a gasoline car, you run on gasoline. You were designed to be a gasoline car. You were designed to run on him, not on anything else. And yet time and time again, we're trying to run on all these other things and we think these other things are gonna satisfy us and gonna be the things that drive us. Just one more meeting, right? Just one more dollar, one more buck, one more house, one more thing, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. And all of the time, all of those things that we're expecting to fuel us are actually the thing that drains us because you were designed to run on him. You were designed to run on him. In fact, our being with him measures our capacity for doing for him. And here's the deal, right? You can do great things for God in your own strength. He really can. But there will be a point in your life where you will run into that wall, just like the 22nd mile in a marathon. There's that point where you hit that wall. You will hit that wall and you will recognize and you will realize, man, I can't do this in my own strength. And here's the grace. The grace is, is that Jesus has an ever, ever open invitation for you to come and to be with him, to allow your being with him to fuel your doing for him. And I think this is true of all relationships, isn't it? 
right? It's our being with them that fuels our doing for them. In fact, you know, there's a story of a a grandma and a little boy. They're driving in a car. She's considering... Uh, retiring to spend more time with her grandson. And so they're driving in this car and she's, she looks at the little boy and she says, hey, uh, listen, I've got two options. I can continue working and I can buy you more toys. You would think that little boy would be like, yes, I'm all about toys. Or I can quit my job. I'd have less money, but I can spend more time with you. The little boy didn't take very long to look at his grandma and say, grandma, I've got all the toys that I need. I wanna be with you. Our being fuels our doing. It's our being with Jesus, our being present with him that fuels our doing for him. That's what I believe to be the heart of Jesus' response back to Martha in response to her crying out, Jesus, do you even care? Do you even see me? Here's what he says. He says, oh, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You know, you may notice something. Jesus says that Mary has chosen the right portion, the good portion. You know, a portion is a part of the whole. When we talk about a portion, what we're talking about is we're talking about a portion of the whole. When Jesus says that Martha has chosen the right portion, he is not saying that the whole is bad. He is just simply saying that she chose to prioritize the right portion of the whole. It's not that Martha's serving is bad. It's not that Jesus doesn't even condemn her for that. He doesn't even say stop serving. He just simply says that while that's important, the most important thing is not your serving, it's not your busyness, It's your being present with me. You see that? It's our being with him that fuels our doing for him. In life, we have all kinds of compartments or portions in our lives, right? We have work, we have school, we have friends, we have family, we have hobbies, we have extracurriculars out the wazoo. We have all kinds of stuff. We have all kinds of portions that make up the whole. All of these things are incredibly valuable. All of these things are great. Every bit of it is important. But when we choose to prioritize those over the right portion, the result is, as Jesus says, trouble and anxiety. Trouble and anxiety. If you're experiencing trouble in your life, if you're experiencing anxiety in your life, you may look back and go, well, where where are my priorities? Is my, is my priority in my doing or is my priority in my being? Because if we do this one, Jesus says, listen, your life is gonna be filled with trouble and anxiety. Whereas if you do this one, if you choose the good portion, your life will be filled with joy and peace. Is it in your doing or is it in your being? You know, I love what Jesus says. He says that the good portion will never be taken away from Mary. I started thinking, I was like, you know, at some point we won't have all these piles of clothes to fold. We won't have all that homework to do. We won't have that test to study for. We won't have the crazy news to watch, to fret over. We won't have that job to work. 
You know, we won't have all these things. One day, all of these good and right things, all of these things will be a distant memory while Jesus will be with you forever. So how awkward would it be that if you stand before Jesus on the end of your days, how awkward would it be if you've spent all your life living for everything else and then you come to him and all of a sudden at that point he's your priority? Let me think about that. Will you be a stranger to Jesus because you weren't present with him? And maybe, you, maybe, maybe in your life, you know, you even, you even said yes to him. You've been following him for 45, 30, 50, 60, maybe even 70 years. You've been following him all your life. But then you stand in his presence and you realize, oh my goodness, I need to introduce myself. It's been a long time. And maybe, golly, I've been serving you, Jesus. I've been doing all of these things for you. And yet you're nothing more than a stranger because you weren't present with him on this earth. Can I just remind you that for all of eternity, you are gonna be present with him. It may be good to start now. If I'm gonna be present with him for all of eternity, maybe it would be a good time to start now. See, what I think Jesus is saying is that when we choose to prioritize and be present with him above everything else, the everything else in your life falls into place. Our presence with him flows into a life, flows into a life of being present in everything else that we do. And so here's my challenge for you this week. You ready? My challenge for you this week is I want you to get up early when there, are, when there are fewer, we'll just say fewer distractions, right? So we'll say fewer distractions. I want you to get up early. I want you to put on your alarm clock and I want you to put that alarm clock in another room where you have to get up. And I want you to get up. I want you to grab your Bible and I want you to go feed your soul. You're gonna eat breakfast. You're gonna eat lunch. You're gonna eat dinner. So let's start with feeding our soul first. If our spiritual and physical are tied together, let's, let's take care of our physical, our, our, our spiritual first. Let's go be with the Lord. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to be present with him. Everything else will wait. Everything else will come. By the way, he'll redeem your time. It's amazing how God does that. I want you to be present with him. And if, if you struggle with that, like I do, if you are afraid you're gonna doze off, if you're afraid your thoughts are gonna wander, get a journal, write the text. Start in John chapter one. John 1 1 and read the first paragraph and write out the whole paragraph if you struggle in you know being attentive and present with Jesus in prayer write out your prayers I promise you it's amazing how that focuses your time and your energy and your mind on him and 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 pushes against your ability to wander off this week I want you to be present with him I want you to experience the power of presence with Jesus I want you to experience that because here's the deal. It's gonna transform your relationship to him and it will transform your relationship to everything else in your life. And I think you want that. I hope you want that. My prayer is that you want that as we do this together this week, okay? So here's what I'm gonna do. I want us to be present with the Lord even right now. And so I'm gonna invite Matt, it's gonna come up. He's gonna play for us underneath this, underneath our time together. And we're gonna go to the Lord and I want us to just be present with him. Just for a minute, I know some of you got kids and you're like, Logan, are you seriously doing this to me right now? 
You're right, I am, I am, because it's that important. I want us as a church to start our week being present with Jesus. Would you close your head or close your eyes and bow your head with me? Just for a moment, I want you just to remove everything out of your mind except for Jesus. I want you to think back through the story of Mary and Martha and think, am I a Mary or am I a Martha? Is Jesus a priority or is he the priority? Am I so caught up in my doing for Jesus that I'm missing out on being with him? Jesus says that my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Jesus, we wanna hear from you. In this moment, Lord, would you just speak to us? Speak to us through your word, God. Would you just, would your voice be so loud that we would know that it is your voice and no other voice? Father, as individuals, we wanna follow you and as a church, we wanna follow you. So God, I ask that you would help us to be attentive to you, listening for you, so that we can be sure that we are following you. Simply ask him, Lord, I pray that you do anything that you need to do in my heart and in my schedule and our, in our home to make sure that I prioritize you in my life, that you are the priority that I get up and I spend quality time, not just quantity, but quality. That my attention would be solely on you like Mary, that I would sit at your feet, gazing up at you and listening to every word that comes from your mouth. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. Help us to be present with you this week. It's in his name we pray, amen.